Hello, listeners. The world of vacation rental management is a mystery to many, especially running a successful company. Now, if you've ever had that in mind, this episode is for you. We are going to interview some of the industry trailblazers on this show, and they're going to give us their top tips to success. Today, we've got Nick Falcone of Rental Resorts, Victor Feria of Tangy Management, Steph Farr of Maya Lux, and Jeremy Gall of Breezeway. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Hospitality Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Turk. Join me as we dive into the personal stories of some of the world's best hospitality professionals. We follow the journey of their ups, downs, and wild turns to find out what it truly takes to make it in the amazing world of hospitality. This episode is brought to you by our podcast partners at Real-Time Reservation. Their inventory management system is best in class for hotels and resorts to manage their non-room inventory. The web-based application allows for creative upselling of overnight and daytime visitors with add-ons and pre-planned packages. Hotel guests and non-guests can reserve cabanas, pool chairs, activities, amenities, excursions, events, day passes, and much more. The real-time reservation platform offers a fully integrated pre-arrival portal where guests are verified through the property management system. Guests can prepay for cabanas and activities through credit card integrations, which are then processed through point of sale. All of our listeners that might be interested in using real-time reservation are welcome to explore the demo at realtimereservation.com. Once again, that's realtimereservation.com. Today, I'm excited to have Nick Falcone, the CEO of Rental Resorts, here with us. What was the beginning of that vacation rental world for you? Yeah, so the first resort, uh, or let's call it community, that we got involved with, because at the time, it wasn't necessarily developed to be a resort, was called Encore Resort at Reunion. And um, at the time, it was called the Encore Club. So fast forward to today, it would actually be the largest resort in the state of Florida by room count. It's made up of 775 houses, ranging from four to 13 bedrooms. So that was that first one that we got into. And there were a couple approved rental management companies in there. Uh, So we kind of were a little bit late to the party by the time we got in there. Did you buy a house or you were like, oh, we're going to get our name into this pool and we're going to start managing these houses? No, I got got licensed as a property manager and uh, started offering my services to homebuyers. Again, kind of going out on a wing, never done it before. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two companies that were also approved in that community, they were two of the best in the market. One had won the uh, VRMA Award, Vacation Rental Manager Association, for the last five years. And the other one was one of the top five largest management companies in the, in the world, actually, at the time. And um, you know, so we had a little bit of an uphill battle having to figure out how to compete. But very quickly, we became the dominant player and really figured out how to deploy a different business model that was really attractive to the homebuyers in there. So what were some of those differentiators? Because that's hard to do, right? Young Nick coming yeah. in here, the hustle. We've known you got the hustle now. We've learned that. Yeah. But yeah. what were some of the things that you offered that were different than the big companies that have been there for years and years? Because I know that resort yeah. or Encore, and it's a lot of people have been in that game for a long time in Orlando. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so some of the big ones, I mean, it's evolved a lot over time. But at, at the early stages, some of them that were really big that helped us compete was, number one, we took an approach that we were going to have a dedicated resort staff for that property and any property that we go into. So a lot of the rental management companies in the area – they would have a central office somewhere and that central office would manage homes in all these different communities that were spread out all over the place. Mm-hmm. And we felt that one of the things we could do to create a lot of owner confidence was have more dedicated service and dedicated people that knew that resort. And that's all they did it was eat, sleep, breathe, encore. So that was step one, I think, was having that dedicated team. The other thing, or a couple of the other things that we did was our marketing approach was very different. So we actually through a lot of the vision that we had on how we could change the game, we realized very quickly that a majority of the bookings that were coming into these houses through other vacation rental companies were coming from Airbnb and Verbo. And those were the dominant players. But what we also found was that when you put 20,000 houses in a market like Orlando onto Airbnb, it becomes really hard to differentiate and it becomes really hard to compete with each other And what we saw was that the way that these houses were competing was by dropping rate and dropping rate obviously isn't good for anybody. You know, so we said to ourselves, 
how do we diversify the way that we distribute the product so that we could not be as reliant on one channel or two channels and have it where we can compete in areas where we can keep rates higher, we can get more exposure. So we actually came up with ways that we could promote our properties on more traditional channels like Expedia, Booking.com. We created a whole marketing approach, direct marketing approach, where we spent dollars to get people to come to our website which is very unique in the vacation home market. And now you're not paying the third-party fees. And we also uh, started working with wholesalers, travel agents. So we really diversified our marketing approach and that really led to a lot better performance, both on the occupancy side, because now we have exposure in many more places, so a lot more eyeballs are on our product, but then also we're able to keep our rates higher because we weren't in that race to the bottom approach on these couple of OTAs. So I think that was a really, really big thing that we did that, that really changed the game for us. You know, other than that, I think also was the fact that we worked really closely with the developer and really took advantage of the resort amenities. So in Encore, they built a massive water park. They had restaurants, they had you know a kid center and sports facilities and all these really cool things. So we actually took a lot of our time to make sure that we were helping to operate and program those things. So nice. now our guests, instead of just renting a home, they're getting to rent a home, but then have all these really cool services like room service or restaurants you can go to or full day activities programs and things you just would never see with a traditional vacation rental. So I think, you know, you put those things together, it really it differentiated us in a big way. And it was a much different offering than the other vacation rental companies, what, what they were providing. No, it's really impressive and smart. All the other companies, like you said, are offsite and kind of managing and sending their employees all different all over the place without actually seeing what's going on. Exactly. So it's hard to manage homes. A lot of people don't realize they are, I put it on Airbnb, they try it themselves. And then they realize, Oh man, my housekeeper didn't show up or my engineer didn't show up. Were you yeah. having to get in at the early days to start getting things set up and organized the way you expected? hundred percent. Yeah. Just, just like our burger fight business. We, uh, we rolled up our sleeves and we had to experience everything to really, um, to learn it so we could train it and replicate it. So, you know, everything from marketing, revenue management, sales, uh, housekeeping, maintenance, front desk, guest service. I mean, you name it, we, accounting, owner services. That was actually something going back to your previous question. One of the things we found was that there wasn't dedicated owner ambassadors in a lot of these companies. And we said to ourselves, you know what? Our company, our lifeblood is our owners. You know, if we're not making them happy and if we're not there for them at all times, then you know, we're, we're going to be in trouble. So we, we really took a lot of time to master our craft and, and get in and really develop the processes and procedures that helped us perform at a really high level. How quickly were you adding homes to your company at the start? Was it something like a slow burn or was it picking up quick and people are like, oh, I like these guys? Uh, it was pretty quick. Within the first year, we picked up at Encore about 150 homes. So it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty fast. You know, and then going into about the end of the second year, that's when Margaritaville was starting to launch. So we were able to pick up a lot of homes in Margaritaville as well and uh, get involved in that resort. And then shortly after that, we got involved with the uh, Jack Nicholas Resort that was in Reunion called Bear's Den. Mm -hmm. and, uh, now, fast forward to today, we have Spectrum. We have the Embassy Suites uh, residences by Hilton. Uh, so we have lots of product now uh, in the market and in pretty short period of time, seven years, we've gone from zero houses to now we have, you know, in the Orlando market over 500. And we also have about 13, over 13,000 units now worldwide in all of our properties. That's so cool. I you know. I think it just shows if you can yeah. just make a little difference, it helps so much in growing that in your business, just find the weakness of some of the others. But I want to talk about Margaritaville. So I've actually stayed there. I stayed there in, it's got to be right before the pandemic. might've been like February, 2020. Yeah. So, and I got a five bedroom townhouse. And so for listeners, if you haven't seen it, go check out Margaritaville, Orlando. They have a hotel component. Yep. And maybe Nick, I'll let you tell you what, what is it? Tell the listeners, what is Margaritaville in Orlando? Yeah, we, uh, you know, at the time, we actually worked really closely with the developer. We felt that there was a, um, a hole in the Orlando market in regards to this type of product offering. Orlando's always been very young person centric, you know, with Disney and Universal, and there's so many things to do for young people. We felt there had to be a place where you could bring a whole family and there was something for everybody, something for the adults all the way to the kids. So we felt, number one, Margaritaville was the perfect brand for that. It brings a lot of fun. It's really appealing to all ages. So number one, we said, okay, great brand to associate with our hotel and our resort residential product. But the property itself is much more than just the hotel. We have over 250 room hotel. We have now over 450 cottages and then hundreds of more villas coming online that are all part of the rental program. 
But on top of that, we actually have um, a very nice retail entertainment district with over 15 restaurants. Yeah, we have uh, entertainment in there, game time, our entertainment center. We have movie theater, all kinds of really fun stuff for people to do. So they could literally walk down the street out of their hotel room or out of their uh, resort residence and have these great experiences right on site. We also built a full uh, water park open to the public called Island Age Show Live that competes with all the Disney water parks and whatnot. So, you know, again, you don't have to go off property. We really built a destination. So it's it's an amazing property. It's got stuff for everybody and it's it's very, very unique. So for anyone that's not been there, we'd love to have you. I can vouch for it. And so this is what, where it struck me was when I got there, you know, I've stayed in vacation rentals and I thought, all right, it's going to be like a separate neighborhood, kind of like Encore. And I didn't know yeah. what to expect. I was like, oh, I got to check in inside the hotel and there's a rental check-in. There's a rental yeah. resorts check-in. I was like, how does this work? And that's when I, for you, for guys first came on my radar and I started like research. I was like, wow, these guys are integrated with the hotel. And I love that model. So I love what you're doing. Thank and you. you mentioned working with the developer. Is that something that you had a relationship from before? Is that someone you knew from before? You know, everyone's be like, I want to find a developer now. I want to go do it. How did you make that happen? Yeah. You know, what was really cool, again, we were able to tie together with the family business. The first couple of resorts we did was developed by the family, but they have no clue how to how to rent them and how to do what we do. We were able to really complement each other, which we were proud of. After we, we did that, we've now created relationships with dozens of developers around the world, and that's really allowed us to expand the way we've been doing. So kind of created a footprint, and now we're able to take it all over the place with lots of different partners. That's great. And so... What is it like? Do you have somebody running each of these resorts now or are they, and they're reporting to you? So you have like a GM of each property? Yeah, we have a GM. We have full resort staff at each property. And then we also have a corporate infrastructure. So people that will come in and support on the food and beverage, on the sales, the marketing, revenue, uh, operations, you name it. So very nice corporate support infrastructure. A lot of those people report to me as well as biz dev teams and technology teams. So we have a pretty diverse org chart. That's very cool. So Nick, Working at a place that has a hotel, Airbnb just announced that they're having apartment buildings that are friendly to Airbnbs, but you're working with a hotel on site and the hotel has its goals too. So how do you work kind of hand in hand or is it not like that with the hotel? What is the relationship working with a hotel on site when you're managing the vacation rentals? It's completely synergistic. Usually hotel and homes are kind of enemies of each other. You know, the homes are taking demand away. We've created a model where we could really infuse the two together to create a lot of upside. So everything that we do is with the ultimate goal of really combining the two. We combine the PL, we make sure that we have common goals. We find that with the hotel attached to the homes, it actually creates tremendous upside. For example, in group business, instead of 250 rooms, I have thousands of rooms uh, between all the homes I could take advantage of. So it helps with food and beverage, with your utilization of all the amenities, the meeting space, uh, and it really takes everything up a notch. It also helps us with upgrading. So if people rent a hotel room or whatnot, we have the ability to enhance their stay or putting them in bigger units. So very, very synergistic. We've had a tremendous amount of success bringing the two together. That's so unique. That's a very cool way of looking at things. I think you're going to see more and more of that. I, I've been preaching about yeah. that and I love staying at it. And so your product, I've been preaching to the hotels I worked with. So man, this is something that I would want to stay at, right? So now yeah. I see Ritz Carlton residences is coming and St. Regis residences and across the street from me, the addition hotels opening residences, but it's not that combo of vacation home and hotel. So a lot, a lot of the brands are doing it in the condo format. There's a lot of complexities that come in doing it with single family homes and uh, to your point, we are big believers that that's where the market's going. That's really what our company is built to do at this point is to be that turnkey solution for developers that are looking to do build for rent properties like this, where being that we have the development background knowledge, how to finance it, how to operate it, how to brand it, we really come in and we provide a menu of services that's a turnkey solution to make these things happen. So that's that's really our business model as we go forward. And as I said, stated earlier, we're working with dozens of developers around the world to build new ones of these all over the place. That's awesome. So, you know, go on your website now. I was checking it out over the last couple of days and I see that you're in multiple cities now. So is -hmm. the model changing a little bit? Because you're not managing all of these places, right? Mm -hmm. What is that looking like? So if I go on the website now and book Miami, I see you have places here in Fort Lauderdale, Miami. How How did that evolve? Yeah, we, um, because people are loving the product and they love staying in homes in a resort setting, we want it to be known as the brand platform where you can go to a trusted place and know you're getting that home in a resort setting. A lot of other distribution channels, they'll have a component that says rent a home in a resort. 
but a lot of the time you rent that home and you don't have access to all the amenities and services. Right. And so rental as a brand, that's really our calling card. As you know, when you rent from us, you're getting a home that's part of the resort. You're getting full access. So we act as a, both a distribution channel, but also, like I was saying before, we'll work with developers to build these from the ground up. And then in that case, we'll become the brand and management company of the resort. So we really control the destiny of it and the success of it. So we have both. We have properties that we manage completely and we, we are the brand. And we have properties that we're more acting as a distribution partner. Very smart. And so now you're adding another component to this, which is Spire and yep. Spire loyalty. And I think I know why you've created it, but I want to hear from you why yep. this was created. Yeah, so Spire Loyalty, it's a multi-industry loyalty platform. And you know, I'll explain what that means in a, a little bit, but the inspiration behind it was we feel that with travel loyalty, it's something that majority of people don't travel all the time. Maybe they're taking one, two, three trips a year. And so a loyalty program associated with that, you're going to pick up that app only a couple times a year. We did a tremendous amount of research and found out that the most impactful apps and, and the ones that people use the most are ones that you can get a daily value from and something that you're going to pick up every day and use constantly. And we also felt that if we develop something that was in that realm, we're going to be able to have more marketing capability to our customers and really take that communication with them to another level. So we developed our loyalty program to where not only can you earn and redeem points for your stay, but we wanted to also have it where that could translate into being able to earn and redeem points in other types of businesses. So for example, we built it to where you can get those travel points. You come and stay at Margaritaville, you get your travel points, but then you know you can go back home and use those travel points in your local ecosystem to go dine or shop. In the next phases, we're actually going to be building it where you could earn and redeem points for real estate transactions as well. Because we want to not only have it where it's a day-to-day -day impact, but you could aspire to build up points in your normal daily habits to then put towards your largest transactions in life. So um, the original name for it, which we didn't go with, was Points for Living. We felt we want to give points for everything that someone does in their life. We, cha we changed the name and the branding or whatnot, but really that's kind of the goal is to create a loyalty program that does stick with you on a daily basis and really create a lot more value than what you would get from other travel loyalty programs. And how are you seeing the pickup? Are people using it? Is it starting to gain a lot of traction? How's it looking? Uh, we are. It's in its early stages. You know, so we are um, still going through a lot of testing and development, but we did our first rollout a few months ago. We've gotten a lot of really good uh, reviews from it, and we're about to do some new releases that will enhance the offering and where people can use and, and uh, earn their points. So uh, as we continue to build out further, we're really excited for where it's going and getting a lot of uh, really positive reviews so far. All right. I'm going to have to download it right after this. So yeah, I'll, I'll awesome. get on that, man. So you, you've had ultra success here pretty quickly, it looks like. What's on the horizon? You know, I hate asking like five years from now, but like in the next 12 to 24 months, what's what are some goals you have? Yeah. So I would say in the next one to two years, we, we want to continue diversifying into new locations. We, like I said before, we have a little over 13,000 homes now in our network. I could see that hopefully growing in the next two years to be over 50,000. We have new brand partnerships. Some Maybe if we talk again in a month, I could announce mm -hmm. another really big partnership that's coming that we're really excited about. But um, we've done a partnership with Jack Nicholas to uh, build Bears Den residences all around the world. So we definitely want to continue expanding that brand. And uh, that's something we're really passionate about in that partnership. You know, and I would say that the other big goal of ours is to continue to develop out the loyalty program we were just talking about. What I'd love to see over the next two years is to infuse thousands of different businesses around the world that people could take advantage of in the Spire platform. So those are definitely some of our key goals over the next couple of years and making sure that people that love this type of experience, they can go anywhere they want and, and get that. You know, I think that's really my core goal is to give people that option wherever they want to travel. I'm excited to have on the show today, a good friend of mine, Victor Feria, founder of Tangy Management and now a partner of mine in Tangy Management. I'm excited to have you on the show, man. I'm excited to be here as well. And Mostly, you know, happy to have a platform for uh, people like me and yourself as well in the hospitality industry. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. Look, we keep this casual. I've known you a long time. So for right. the audience, I met Victor when, was it 2016? 2016. So I, I used to own my own company called Vita Hospitality. And a young Victor Feria came walking in <laughs> looking for a job, looking to get out of hotels. And I had just left too to start a staffing company. And that's how we met, right? Where do you see vacation rental or term rental? Like, where do you see Tangy fitting in? How do you see that going? 
Yeah, I mean, where I really see the growth in this industry is coming a lot of from a lot of investors and a lot of people being open to this idea. A lot more people are being open and more, what's the word, inviting to the atmosphere. Back then, it was a little bit of a, a taboo in a sense to let people into your own home. But now mm -hmm. we're more and more, obviously, through financial reasons and it be becoming such a fruitful in in inversion for investors that basically now we're seeing more and more of a request or popularity in what we're doing. For us, as, as part of the company, we're trying to become a one-stop shop in that sense that, hey, we're coming to us as an investor or just a property owner. We can go ahead and help you find the right property. We can go ahead and, and help you design uh, your own property. You don't have to worry about not having to purchase prop furniture, having to coordinate the furniture, build anything. We are, have been able to build a team of patricians, AC technicians, general contractors. So really becoming a one-stop shop in, in, in that sense and doing it all for the owner and having that service and that quality is really where we see ourselves differentiate from the pack and then also gearing towards that strong branding and then still creating that lifestyle brand and that lifestyle community to empower our owners and have more of a value towards the service that we're providing. Mm -hmm. And then the, the guests as well. If you are on social media and you're one of our properties and have someone sitting in the hot tub and having a great time, you're going to want to come. You're going to want to come and enjoy and experience that. So I think that's where it's going to be set us apart and really help us uh, continue our growth. That's awesome. So you mentioned investors. <clears throat> yes. Now, let's say an investor comes to you, for whether they're using our service or not. What is right. something you're going to tell an investor not to do? What do you tell them? Definitely don't do this. Yeah, there's uh, there's two, two, two to three things that I would right away tell them. And, and really is learning your competitors, the area within itself. Firstly, you know, seeing where there's a bigger influx in, in inventory. Mm -hmm. And what we see here a lot is a lot of one bedroom, one bathroom, especially in, in condos or in smaller homes. There's right. a big influx in that right now. Specifically, you're also competing against other hotels, directly competing. So I, I always tell an investor, hey, maybe we should shy away from one bedroom, one bathroom studios or condos, et cetera, that usually are really expensive too, to begin with. And then secondly, also, you so know- So based on that first one, you're saying because the studios and one bedrooms compete directly with the hotel, with hotels. right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. So the competition is a lot stronger and, and your rates will have to compete directly with the hotel. So you will mm -hmm. not be able to directly have the same rate as a hotel. You'll need to bring that down. And that obviously affects the investment in the sense. So Got it. Uh, that's definitely one. That's um, one. Sec yep. And then secondly, would definitely know your area, know the legalities of, of short-term rentals in that area mm -hmm. uh, to ensure that basically you're buying into a legal zone, a legal area that you're going to be able to have this property and manage this property and do Airbnb in this property for years to come. And that's several months. And then you get dinged or have a hard time continuing to have your doors open because yep. of any city issues. Or shut down, right? I see people all the time, like they buy this place and they are like shocked when they can't do short-term rental because it's illegal. And, so. and, it, and it hurts me. It hurts me because um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's investing in your first property. It's, it's hard. It's a difficult thing. You do a lot of research, a lot of back-end work, and you don't want to all that time spent finding the right place and doing all of that uh, work. You don't want it to be shut down in the next two, three months just right. because you didn't know what zone the property was in. So I agree. One, one last one. You had one more you said or no? Yeah. The, so the third one is in a sense of the service aspect. A lot of uh, owners and investors, you know, I, I have that mindset too. Hey, get in there and just do it on your own. But really finding that, that company or the property management company or that friend or that local that knows when it has experience in this short-term rental market don't have to do it alone. Don't have to just go in there blindfolded. A lot of people have been able to do it and be successful with it. Finding that either the management company that you could you know, contact and just ask five questions and see, hey, what's the best way to do it? Or going online and researching what's the best strategies for getting your property up and running? What should I furnish it with? What are the guest essentials that I'll need to have in our property to make sure my guests are having a great time? That's definitely the third thing that I would probably strongly advise. Maybe it's not a what not to do. Maybe it's a what to do. Today, I'm excited to have Stephanie Farr, the founder and owner of Maya Lux. So when I finished my travels, I came to Mexico. I came to Riviera Maya because when I, when Luxury Treats had transferred me here before I quit or before I went to travel, uh, my brother came to visit me and he fell in love with it and decided to move here. So he packed up all his stuff and moved here 
uh, when I was still working with luxury retreats. So when I was traveling and then I finished my travels, I decided to come and visit him and just, you know, hang out for a couple of weeks. And I ended up meeting up with a homeowner that I had worked with previously, luxury retreats. And we just, you know, we had dinner. She said, you know, Steph, one thing that I was thinking of where there's a real demand here is to build a, a concierge company so that we are able to cater to the companies like luxury retreats or, you know, a couple of other wholesalers like Phil's Distinction, the, you know, the main, the main pioneers in the industry. That was one of the biggest lacks in the industry. You're catering to luxury. It's a private home. But for companies that offer different destinations, like luxury retreats where you could rent a house for 5000 a night in St. Bart's, and then they have a repeat client that wants to rent a house in Mexico, let's say Riviera Maya for 5000 a night. There's no guarantee. It's not like a hotel brand where you're going to get the same standard. And so the brand is really subject to what a homeowner considers to be luxury. And that's very risky when you're trying to build, a, you know, your, your database of repeats or just set a standard as a luxury villa rental company. So this villa owner, she had cracked the code in luxury in terms of everything from chef in villa, butler, she had her own villa manager. I mean, it was her, the experience for the guests was just unparalleled. So she said, I think we have a shot if we could build a concierge business where we're offering the concierge services to companies like Luxury Retreat so that they could trust the standard. So we do quality control inspections. You know, we give them a report of what's needed in each villa. And then we're there to offer the on-site concierge service as though we're Luxury Retreats uh, or as though we're the other wholesale companies. So smart. Yeah. So at the time I was like, just getting, I was just finishing my travels and I was like, ah, but I also, I also racked up a big, big credit card bill, you know, with all my travels getting carried away. Um, because I obviously extended my trip a lot longer than I thought it would be. So I said, you know what, let's try it. I always wanted to do something. I love Mexico. I really love this villa owner. I mean, she was an incredible owner to work with. Um, we both were aligned in, you know, our visions and the standard for what we wanted to create. So I had approached luxury retreats and I said, what do you, you know, I was still very close with them. They're still to this day, very close friends. So I said, Hey, what do you think of this concept? And they loved it because of course it's helping them, you know, just increase the standard and offer a trusted service to their guests. So that's how we started. We were a concierge company. So we just started very small and in 2009, Swine flu hit. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember swine flu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was really where the company started. It's almost like a full circle with these pandemics. Yeah, we started on swine flu anniversary. All right. So that's good. Good way to start. But I want to go back one step because there's a lot of people who have an idea like I want to start something and they don't know what that really entails. So they think, oh, I'm going to get this startup office and I'm going to have this beautiful place. Where were you working from when you started? Was it? A desk in someone's home? Were you at the villa? Were you at a bunch of different places? What was the scene like for you when you were starting? Um, so my business partner's husband already had a business of his own and he had a tiny little office. So he welcomed us to use one or two desks in his office mm -hmm. space. But we also worked, I mean, even back in the day, you know, from remote work, that's how we were working. It was, it was out of a cafe. Uh, we would work from her villa. It was very inspiring to work from her house as well because we also had the services. You know, she had a full-time chef. Yeah. So the office meant getting, you know, a nice lunch prepared for ourselves. Yeah, or, Miss Steph, what can I get for you today? Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, this mm -hmm. is really the life. But, you know, ultimately, when starting from that level and starting small, it's not about not thinking big. It's just taking whatever tiny step you can in order to get started. Because if we thought, okay, we have to get this big office or we have to have our website ready, you're always waiting for the next thing in order to say, I'm going to start, you know, or I'm going to get started. So for us, it was just the tiny little steps and the tiny little seeds. That's really what, you know, we needed to plant in order to flourish to where we were at. And I have to say that was one thing that we did really well. You know, we didn't have a website. We didn't even, we just had our, our name was even different back then. I think it was like called Premier Concierge. Riviera Maya or something. I can't remember what mm -hmm. it was called back then, but you know, we didn't even have the website. We just, what we did was we just plugged our services in with our partners, with the wholesalers. So it was more of like a B2B at the time. 
So yeah, it was just really about what can we do to plant these little seeds in order for us to get started? Because if we just keep thinking, you know, the momentum, we just, the most important thing was to get the momentum to start, start somewhere. Mm -hmm. I love that advice. And so as you're planting these seeds and getting things going and trying things out, was there a moment that you remember like, Hey, we're actually doing this. Like this is working. Was there a time like that? Or was it right off the bat where you knew it was going to work? I knew it was going to work right off the bat because there was, I knew that there was a need. There was really a need for what these companies, you know, that was the lack. We found a lack. We found just kind of like a void in their operation. And we knew that this, it was a win-win. It was a win-win-win, even for the guests. So for the partners, it was a win. For the guests, it was a win. And for us, of course, it was a win because, you know, we knew that overnight, we could just, with just a flip of a switch, that we could offer these services. Because also my business partner at the time, she had the team. And she just, it was very easy for us to scale and say, okay, let's just hire one more concierge. We have a chef. We have, so if her house wasn't booked, we just put the chef in another villa um, or we put the butler in another villa. Uh, she acted as the concierge at the time too. So that's the other piece when you're starting, you know, it's just all about getting your hands dirty and, um, you know, just diving right into what you need to dive into and wearing all different hats. And so was the business model just kind of taking a piece of every activity that was booked or sold? Is that kind of how you started? Yes. yes. So that was our revenue model was we would take a cut for all the, so the partners, the wholesalers didn't have to pay a fee to us. We just took the commission for all the services that we sold. And it was a commission share with the partners. Very cool. That's a smart way to do business. So as you start to, you continue to grow that, when does it start to evolve um, into what you're it doing started now? Yes. Yeah, so it started to evolve with swine flu. Um, so in 2009, with swine flu kicked in, it was also the economic crisis. There was a little bit of everything happening at the same time. Um, also, there was, again, at that time, concern for safety. So it was a multitude of factors where uh, the demand for the area just pretty much came to a halt. And villa owners were experiencing, villa owners that knew that I was in the area um, because they'd known me previously from luxury retreats and they knew I was in the area, just reached out and said, we're desperate. We need help. Our villas are empty. We have no zero occupancy right now. Is there anything you think you could do to help us to maximize our rentals? So for me at the time, I was, you know, we were just trying to stay focused on what we did, but we had a couple, this is maybe two, three owners. They were very good friends. Everyone knows everyone here in this area. But two, three owners, they were very good friends with my business partner as well. Um, and they just said, listen, we, we're asking you to please manage our properties, take over the rentals, whatever you could do, because you guys, you know, Steph has the expertise on the marketing side, the business development side. And my partner, she had the expertise on the operational side. So um, we said, look, we'll help you. It's not our business model, but we'll see what we could do. And we'll try to, you know, generate some more rentals for you. So what we ended up doing was plugging in the properties with all the wholesalers that we knew were out there and really just helping them man saying, we'll manage your calendar for you. We'll be the go-to So managing exclusively your calendar. Let us take everything over for you and we'll plug it in with all the distribution channels that we know of. And so that's how it started. It was just a few villas. So we basically just said, you know, give us your calendars. We're going to manage everything. So we're going to be a turnkey solution for you. So we'll take care of all the services. And we're going to plug your villa into all the distribution channels. So that's all the wholesalers that I had a connection with that we we're already plugging in our services with because not every villa owner knew about all the different partners in the, in, in the industry. So that's just basically what we did in order to kick off to increase some of the occupancy or increase the rentals for them. That's a cool way to kind of pivot and transition. Did you have a moment where you thought like, oh, I really don't want to do this part of the business or was it like, all right, I actually do want to do this part. They're very different for listeners. Maybe you can explain what you were thinking. Yes. So one, which was just concierge services. So it's basically when we say we're offering a standard and we're offering services on site, it means quality control. So checking to see if the villa is up to standard for guests to arrive. Are all the ACs working? Is there hot water? Is the internet working? Um, these are all little things that, you know, a guest may take for granted when you're stepping foot into a hotel. For, but you know, from a private home, if a home is not rented, let's say for a month, two months, who's checking to make sure that everything's working before a guest arrives? So there's all these little, you know, um, moving pieces in a villa rental. 
that maybe to the guests, they're not 100% aware of what needs to take place behind the scenes. So for us, that was one of the main roles that we played was just making sure the house was up to standard. The next now is offering a service to the guests. So when the guest arrives to the villa, it's a meet and greet. Uh, we're here to show you the villa. We're here to welcome you with cold towels and margaritas and guacamole and nach and, and salsa on site. And uh, we want to take you on a tour for the house. We also want to grocery shop and pre-stock the villa with any grocery that you guys want. If you want to have a chef, we'll take care of, you know, we'll send you the menus in advance and you basically get to pick the meals that you want on arrival. And then you could also have a dialogue with the chef on site to book you know, or to confirm whatever menus that you want or a butler and a waiter and to serve you. These are little things that a lot of people will not know that's available for them. And um, our goal was to be able to offer any type of service to enhance the stay for our guests. Love it. So you've got all these services going and you're, you're doing it for these two properties. When does it start to evolve into like, all right, I think we can do this for more people. Yes. Yeah, so it essentially then became more homeowners. We weren't proactive in, in bringing the homeowners because again, we, our focus was just services, but again, more homeowners then were, were approaching us because they really want to figure out how to build or how to bring in more rentals for their, for their property. Because also take in mind, this is in 2005, Hurricane Wilma hit the area. So it completely destroyed the destination and homeowners had to rebuild their properties. So by the time, it took maybe about two years for them to get their houses back on the market. And then 2008, 2009 is when swine flu hit. So it was just really such a challenging time for them to, to begin to get that momentum back for their, for their homes, um, back on the rental market. So a lot of them were just desperate and trying to figure out what can we do to generate some income for our properties. So that really was where we came in and, and that was my expertise. My business partner was the services on site. And for me, it was the marketing and the business development side. So that's where our partnership really came into play because it was her getting to do what her native genius was, which is the five-star service. And for me, it was the marketing and, and business development for our homeowners. So when does it start to develop into Maya Lux? When do you start making that change into what you are today? Yes. So we shifted to Maya Lux when we had about five villas in our portfolio. And we said, okay, let's face it. We're going to be a villa rental company. We're going to call, we're basically a, a property management company. What is a property management company? It's a company that basically is specific to a destination and they offer a 360 degree solution for their homeowners, which is maintenance, um, management, admin, uh, taking care of the concierge service and also managing the calendars for the homeowner. So we basically then said, okay, we're a property management company. We need to shift. We're no longer just concierge premier, uh, Riviera yeah. Maya. <laughs> yeah. So we then came up with the name Maya Lux, uh, Riviera Maya. We're focused on the Mayan Riviera and we're also catered to just luxury. We wanted to maintain a niche of luxury properties and not just take any villa into our portfolio. Um, we scaled really slowly. We said, let's just, we want to do what we do really well and, and make sure that, you know, if we're going to offer five properties, we're the best at what we do. If it's going to be 10, we're the best at what we do. But if at any point in time, uh, our service, sorry, our service starts to, you know, decline um, or not meet the standard that we're looking to then we need to you know keep a cap at the properties that we're that we're servicing or that we're catering or we're offering or plugging in with our partners and we were still b2b we were still only plugging our villas in with wholesalers travel agents um, we didn't have our website yet so again that took it took about two years for us to launch our website and that's when we started to do our own keywords and and advertising um, digital marketing and we started to generate some leads for our, for our website and do direct business. I love it. And so as you start to build, are you, I said B2B, are, do you ever start getting using the VRBO platforms and Airbnb and the other channels to bring in clients and then try to convert them? Or are you always going through wholesale, travel um, agents? What was your model? We always stuck to wholesale. So the wholesale, the wholesale market is also, when we say wholesalers, they're specific to luxury villas. Um, so any agent, or we call them still villa specialists that work with a wholesaler, they're really well versed to the area. They know the destination. 
they know the villas, they've come to visit, they've done fam trips. So we always stuck with that niche. And we seldom used VRBO and Airbnb. Uh, I would say, if anything, more VRBO because VRBO I mean, existed longer. And so we did have a couple of homeowners that already had their VRBO accounts. So they basically gave us their, their accounts for VRBO. And so we just continued to help you know, generate some leads through VRBO. But it was nothing proactive or aggressive. It was just more whatever comes in. It was more defense mode. Whatever comes in, we'll take. Our main goal was to stick to the wholesalers, the travel agents, and then whatever type of direct marketing we could do. That's amazing because I know a lot of listeners are going to be very jealous because they're actively trying to stop using some of those channels and to build more of a direct booking platform. Yes. Any tips for those people listening right now that you think you can give? Maybe not a whole business plan, but any one or two tips that they could start with? Well, I would say number one is understand your own model. Who's your audience? If you want to go into the niche luxury market, then my suggestion is to step out of, you know, commercial, we call them mass market, you know, OTAs, which are like Airbnb. There is Airbnb Lux, which was luxury treats. That's that's luxury treats, essentially. It's Mm -hmm. Airbnb Lux. That is a little bit also focused on, it is luxury, But the difference is that you're still, the villas are still uh, diluted in, in, in a, you know, a vast market. And even with, you know, with Airbnb Lux, you really, you know, you want to be able to to give that, that attention to your client that, you know, I feel like that's what's lost is everything's done through instant book. You barely get to speak to anybody anymore. So, you know, my suggestion is to consider building your own website. It's not hard. There's a lot of templates out there that you can use. Um, You could even start with your own social media channels, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, start to do your own ads through there. Whatever you could do to generate direct leads and start to just, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge investment. Like I mentioned, a website could be a template and uh, social media can also be, you know, that's super easy to build your, your business platform on Instagram where you could start to do some ads. Just add some pictures. It's all about creating the experience. Um, it's all about showing, you know, using stories. Um, if you could take whatever, not just photos, but videos and really showcasing what the experience is of, you know, touching the emotion of the client, that's really the best place to start because... Yes, it's almost, you know, using these additional channels as much as, yes, they do generate business. Sometimes you can feel like you're held hostage. Uh, Your business is held hostage with these platforms. Gosh, that's great advice. So listeners, just rewind that back for the last minute and a half and just start with those and just get started, right? Steph, you said it a couple of times. Just get started. Try it out. doesn't cost much to to figure out if you can start doing it. So tell me about where Maya Lux is today. How is it looking now? So we've got this fun journey. We've, We've learned about it. Where is it at today? Um, Because I see it thriving and I love everything you got online, which I want to bring up too of what you're doing online. But tell me where you're at today. So today we're the largest luxury villa rental company in Riviera Maya. Um, We uh, feature over 155 villas in the destination. Uh, We have still maintained the luxury niche aspect of our business. The minimum nightly rate per bedroom, we always say per bedroom is $200. So if it's a five bedroom, the minimum that we would um, onboard a villa would have to be $1,000 a night. But the most, the most important aspect of our business is the service. And it's incorporating a full experience for our guests. It's not just about renting a house. We always say the villa is just you know the four walls and the roof. It's what magic we can make happen inside the house or outside the house for the guests. And that's main, our main focus because that's really how we differentiate ourselves is what type of experience we could offer to our guests. And, you know, luxury is a term that's, you know, very loosely used, but luxury, luxury is a, has a different meaning for any type of guests that we welcome into our, into our homes. So, you know, we try to understand and really get to know who our clients are in order to say we offer that luxury experience. Um, it's not just about the type of linens or having, you know, X screen TVs in the bedrooms or, you know, it's it's really about what that experience looks like for a guest, whether it's disconnecting completely from their real world. That's a luxury. If it's just to be able to have a chef service and have every meal catered for them. Yes, that's a luxury for others. It's just about getting out and exploring the destination. 
So we really, when we say we're a luxury villa rental company in the destination, luxury is a term that we really try to cater to the different needs of our guests and what they're looking for. And when people hear luxury villas, they must say, I can never afford that. I can never get out there and, and be into a luxury villa. Would you say that that's the case? Like, hey, it's not for everybody or is it for everybody? What, how would you kind of explain that? I do say it's for everyone. Uh, it's an a la carte experience. So it's whatever you want to make of it. There is a misconception that we can't afford this luxury villa, but really, like I mentioned, if you have, if you're a party of 10, 10 friends and you're renting a villa for a thousand a night, that's a hundred dollars per person. Really, it's, it's hard to find a three-star hotel here for a thousand dollars, sorry, for a hundred dollars per night per person. And so we really try to aim at offering that five-star service for our guests, regardless of what price range the villa is. Today, I'm very excited to have Jeremy Gall, the founder and CEO at Breezeway. So give me the genesis of Breezeway. How does that start taking shape? Yeah, this one's a little fresher, so I probably know the story a little tighter. Yeah, <laughs> the last one, the last one was good. <laughs> well, I had a house in South Carolina. You know, my wife's from South Carolina. We bought a house in South Carolina towards the end of Flipkey, and we were managing it. And I was really intrigued. You know, I'd met all these vacation rental managers, right? Six hundred thousand listings, thousands and thousands of of suppliers that we worked with. And over a course of my career at Flipkey, many of them became friends and colleagues and um, in addition to being clients. And so I was really close to that business. Even though we'd only been helping them on the marketing side, I was close with these people, number one. And number two, by virtue of the work we did at Flipkey, I was really close with the property management software systems because we had to integrate with all of them. And so I knew how many of those property management software systems worked. And I would say that the combination of a few pieces, like one, an interesting experience managing our own home in South Carolina and then getting a house in the suburbs and trying to figure out like, oh my goodness, what do you do with this? What do you do with this asset and how do you manage it? Really turned me on to property management, not in the sense of like reservations and distribution and marketing as you typically think of in the vacation rental space, but in the sense of asset management, how do I take care of this thing? How do I coordinate really good maintenance at my property? And what, is that, what does that look like? Whether I'm renting it or I'm living in it you know, as a primary home. And at the time, there were a bunch of companies starting sort of smart, tech-enabled property managers for your primary home. So you, know, you had choices between Angie's List or try and do all this stuff yourself. What could be in the middle where somebody might help you do it? I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, they were all failing. And I thought that was pretty interesting too. So I talked to my vacation rental manager friends and I said, mm -hmm. tell me about your meat. Tell I know all about your marketing. Or I know yes. a decent amount about your marketing. And pricing and all that and fun pricing. stuff. Let's talk about your operations. Let's talk about how you like get all this work done. And they're like, ooh, it's tough. It's really tough. I started a property management company in Boston. If you, came, if you came to me with like an odd job and you said, Jeremy, I need to remodel my bathroom or my kitchen. I need some landscaping, any odd job. I would coordinate it for you to try and learn what it was like to coordinate all these service providers. Were you and, promoting it that way? Like you had like ads out saying, hey, call me? I did. Or was it just yeah, 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 I did. I did. I had ads on, I had ads out because um, it was a good way to test. Um, I say, hey, I've got a company called Breezeway and I'll help coordinate stuff for you. Yeah, tell me anything you need. I reached out to all, every, sent a message to my network in Boston. I said, if you have a project at your house, just tell me what it is. I'll coordinate it. We'll, we'll find the vendors. We'll coordinate the whole thing. Just want to learn how this all works. And then we started, then I started doing a few for strangers too, throw mm -hmm. that so I could see what it was like. Did some for some venture capital investors who were interested in what I was doing. That was a trip. Yeah. Um, uh, but I learned a lot about what it was like to coordinate maintenance. And I learned a lot about what it was like to think about building a profile of the property that could help you do that. And long story short, I combined that with knowledge about the property management software systems and what they were good at and what could be some opportunities and what my old clients were saying could really be some opportunities about how they were running their business. And I mashed all of them together and I thought like, this is interesting. The world is gonna change and people are gonna want 
highly like service is becoming more important and specifically long answer sorry but you know specifically specifically in vacation rentals the marketing is really hard to be special at the marketing this is my my opinion but i think it's it's hard to be special at the marketing because the platforms are commoditizing that to some extent right that's their job as a marketplace they want to take thousands and thousands millions of listings find the commonality between them so that you can shop across all of these different properties and all of these different providers they want to commoditize the work so that the marketing is simple and it's better experience for the travelers and it is a better experience for the travelers but what that means is that then you're probably going to have to differentiate differentiate your business on service and i think the same thing applies in hotels too right hotels have lived this through Expedia and what's happened with the OTAs on the on the hotel side as well. You have to differentiate by service, which means service is expensive. Hospitality is a low margin business. If you're going to have to do more service, it's going to have to be better. You'd probably value tools that could help you do that really effectively. And if you're in the vacation rental business and every property is unique, and yet increasingly you're being cross-shopped with hotels, and you have to meet this hotel standard of cleanliness and hospitality. Wow, your job is brutal. It's really hard. So we can build tools and software that could really help you. And that's basically, that was the genesis of Breezeway. We've been doing that ever since. It's actually, there's a reason why um, the property management software systems were pretty good at it, but not amazing at it because it's really hard, which had I known it was so hard, maybe I wouldn't have started it, but <laughs> It's very hard, but once you get going and you start building that out, there's a ton of value that you can deliver to clients and, and that's the fun part. Yeah, and I love hearing how you started to build this, right? So in 2016, you're testing this out. When do you start kind of ramping up where you're like, all right, I've got this down. We've got some systems in place. I'm sure you go into the Vacation Rental Management Association meetings with your product, you know, a little desk there for listeners who've never been one. Sure. What was it like for you? Did you go all out once you had the product and start spending money on acquiring people or was it kind of word of mouth? You know, how did you start kind of to ramp up to where you are? You know, yeah, I think this was a business that we grew and continue to grow pragmatically. Um, maybe I use that term loosely because we've been fortunate enough to raise capital, but, you know, we're still trying to be um, pragmatic about it. 2016, that's right. We're sort of 2015, I'm fooling around with this idea and I'm a property manager myself. 2016, I'm realizing I'm not pretty, I'm not very good at being a property manager, but I'm, I'm better at building software. Um, 2017, we're starting to add our first, our first clients. Um, and then 2018, you know, things are starting to ramp up, but there's a lot of nuance to that. And that is, you know, this is a, this is a broad Part of the vision is that operations is a segment of property management that you do, right? We're not going to touch the distribution. We're not doing price and dynamic pricing. We're not uh, helping you on the marketing. We're not helping you attract guests. Uh, we're not doing the accounting. We're just thinking about operations. But the fact is, even if you just carve up operations, it's a huge task. You know, it's a broad mandate and there's a lot to do. So we would go to customers early on and they would say, you know, this is great. Like we need this and we'll sign up, but it needs to do the four things that you already do. And it needs to do these 10 other things or else we can't possibly like switch from the way that we're doing business today. And so there was a lot for us to build, to be able to sort of continue to keep growing into the market over and over again, but we did. So who is your customer right now? Is it the people you know, who have thousands of listings? Is it the one listing home? What you're focusing on is actually the hardest part, right? Marketing and putting professional photos and using pricing tools is, in my opinion, I'm a partner at a, at a, at a company that we have listings here across South Florida, probably easiest, but once you get into operations and you have people, hey, the toilet's broken and hey, this is not working and this uh, linen is dirty and those things, is that it's the hardest part. So how do you help those? It's kind of a two-pronged question. Who are you serving and how is it helping them? Yeah. Well, we're big in, we're big in Denmark and Sweden. Uh, for listeners you have there, we've got thousands of, you know, we have providers, we have a few providers in Europe who have thousands of, 
of units. A few in the U.S. as well. Our largest customers have thousands of units, and then our smallest customers have have one or or two homes that they're working with. And the commonality is that in each case, you know, they're turning over these properties. They're working with this property. They don't own or they may not own all the properties. If you have one or two, it's typically the owner of the property who's doing it. But they want to be great about the experience they provide in the property. And in order to do that, especially if they don't live right there or they have distributed properties, they need some tools to help them do that. So we work across a broad spectrum from really small to quite large property managers, but that's the common theme. And we help them because coordinating all that work is is pretty challenging. Coordinating the work, communicating with the guests, um, rescheduling service, understanding how you're interacting with that asset, and then helping just keep track of all of that work. Um, you know, it is a, it's a bear of a job. So we help across anybody who is touching the property or communicating to the guests during the stay. That's the typical value that we're providing our customers from sort of start to finish, from the day before they arrive till probably the day after they leave when they're checking in and saying, you know, how did the experience go? That's where Breezeway shines. I love hearing that. And so if you were to give, you know, your pitch that you have at, at these seminars and events and someone, you know, for listeners that aren't familiar with Breezeway, what would be your kind of like 30 second pitch for them to understand what, it, what the tool actually is? Yeah, we are a we are property care and uh, operations platform that helps you make sure that you're delivering the right experience for your guest at the property. Which means how are you scheduling work in between, you know, in between guests? How are you making sure that that work is done effectively through checklists and and verified work from the field? Um, and how are you communicating all that value to your guests so that they understand? the work that you're really, you're really putting in to make sure they have a great experience. Great. And you've been in this for a long time and you've seen this kind of world of vacation rentals, like you said, shifting all over the place. And now it's actually, you know, a time where I think a lot of people got into it and didn't realize what it was going to be like, like, Oh, I'm watching TikTok video and this guy is saying, go rent a bunch of homes and I'm going to be a multimillionaire tomorrow. And then they get into it and then they realize what it actually is and they can't handle it. But then you also see some very good companies out there um, growing. Where do you see all this going? Because there's some people who hate the Airbnbs and VRBOs of the world and are all about their brand. Or do you see it as kind of a balance between using those OTAs to get your clients and then making them fans of your brands? Where do you see all this going? Because there's so many different voices out there right now. And you have your ear to the ground with so many people. Yeah. Great question to unpack a little bit. I would say... Um, a couple of things. One, we did a great job over the last, you know, 15 years ago, you couldn't uh, pay on, you couldn't find a rental, uh, a home that you wanted to go to on your vacation and pay instantly via credit card and just go and just know that you were going to be there. When you got there, um, you'd probably have to seek somebody out to try and find the keys so that you could get in. There wasn't electronic access, right? Uh, we've done such a good job improving that part of the experience and using technology to do it. And at the same time, we've done a great job uh, providing a platform. You know, Airbnb deserves a lot of credit for it. They're the leader um, sort of in the OTA space for this. We've done a great job providing a platform for people to expose their property online to be able to find guests through these marketplaces. I think the next phase is... How do we think about quality on in this industry? And how do we think about quality on these marketplaces? Um, it's not people that don't like, you know, I think there's a couple of different things. Like people who don't like vacation rentals in their area. It's not just that they may not like vacation rentals. It's they don't like the bad actors. They don't like people who are hobbyists who don't take it seriously. And those folks really do a disservice to so many people this is not an industry that Airbnb invented. And we all know that, right? This is an old industry of vacation homes and renting homes to go on, on trips and family vacations, et cetera. It's about just leaning into the quality and professionalism 
um, and sort of weeding out some of the very few bad actors who are doing a disservice, I think, to the whole market. So I think that's number one that people think about from the consumer standpoint, which is like, great, let's focus on quality and professionalism um, across the industry. When it comes to operators and then sort of listing and leveraging Airbnb, I think like these, these are marketplaces, like use them to your advantage, use them to help grow your business, but know exactly what you're getting into, right? They probably shouldn't be a hundred percent of your business. Um, and if you're doing great work, you should be able to drive repeat guests and you should think about the cost that you're paying, the marketing costs of being on any platform, no matter where you advertise, marketing costs of your own website. Think about how you can get repeat guests by leaning into your service so that you can reduce the marketing costs of that original customer acquisition, right? If I pay so much to get you, Steve, and then I get you to come back again, I've just cut my customer acquisition costs in half uh, for getting you the first time because I didn't have to pay the second time. All I had to do was engage with you and send you an email. So it's huge. And that's a really big, use the platforms that way so that you can build your audience, but then, you know, make those customers, make those guests your own. So I think that's one tangible piece of advice. And I think the industry has a lot of growth to go. I think also what enamors me about the vacation rental industry is that it is this perfect nexus of hospitality and property management. And I think it's a bellwether for where the industry is going. I think hotels have noticed this and they're starting to change some of their inventory, tweak it a little to be a little more authentic, a little more unique, feel a little more like a vacation rental, tons of interest in that. Long-term rental operators are very interested in flexible opportunities, not just annual leases, but more flexible living arrangements. And I think it's forcing long-term rentals to think of themselves more as hospitality providers and sort of like all of there, there's this confluence and convergence of all of these categories. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's too much to say that vacation rentals could be part of the reason for that. They were growing and really picking up interest pre-pandemic. The pandemic was like a rocket ship for vacation rentals, Airbnb going public, another way to really provide publicity for the industry. And I think now awareness is just through the roof um, and it's it's leaking and, and sort of influencing tangential um, property segments. Yeah, I think it's going both ways too. Cause I come, I started in the world of luxury hotels for a long time as you know, I was executive at two of them. And I see it now where experience, it's all about the experience on property. Like what can we create here that you can't get at a vacation rental? So that's starting to pop up a lot. And then with our vacation rental, same thing. It's like, how do you provide that luxury service that you can count on? Cause you're paying a ton of money and you don't want it to be where something's not working. Totally. And that's what people want. People mm -hmm. want what consumers really want is the combination of the space luxury and sort of authenticity either by location or by the way the home is is situated or what's in the property they want the authenticity of the property to be central to the experience but they want hotel quality hospitality service mixed in together that's like the that's the dream right you want both of those um and it's going to be really interesting to see how those two combine to drive an impact in the future of vacation rentals. Operators that can really deliver mm -hmm. on that level are gonna to continue to rise. Ones that can't are gonna struggle. The OTAs will promote the people that can continue to do that and sort of ratchet up that experience to match. And the hotels will make small shifts to think about how they can provide a little more unique authenticity, you know, authenticity to the experience. And like you said, drive a difference between what it's like to be on site on property versus in a, in a rental home. I love that. I think that's a, a great place to kind of end our conversation. But before we do, Jeremy, I got one last question. So you've built up two great companies. You've met tons of people, managed tons of people. But if young Jeremy was coming out of Boston college today and was starting on your team, right? He's joining this vacation rental industry kind of breezeway technology, what advice would you give young Jeremy if he was starting today? Yeah. Wow. Dig in, dig in and ask a lot of questions, like really make yourself available and open, 
open to the experience, open to your professional experience to make sure that you are learning and soaking up everything that you can, especially as somebody who's early in their career. I think if you're earlier in your career, soak up as much as you can, learn as much as you can. And if you feel like you're not learning or you're looking around and there's no one that you can relate to or no one that you want to be your mentor, then you got to make a move and you got to find another spot. This podcast is brought to you by Biscayne Coffee. Biscayne Coffee was founded with a giving spirit and a big idea to enjoy delicious coffee roasted in Miami while helping save Biscayne Bay and the animals that live there. As a former food and beverage director, I can assure you these are some of the best quality beans on the planet. 10% of every coffee sold is donated to nonprofits to help preserve Biscayne Bay for all to enjoy. Visit BiscayneCoffee.com today and use promo code MENTOR at checkout to save 10% on your first order. Drink good coffee and create a good outcome.